Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. It was a challenging word this morning. It's a challenging word that morning, Sunday morning, for all of us simply because you know, it's one thing to sit in front of a pew and have the speaker speak to you nothing but blessing and how God loves you and how God wants to lift you up and how God and all these things we've proven last week that that's the kind of God that we serve. He is a willing God. He is always a generous God. He's willing to meet your every needs according to everything he possesses. And I don't know about your God, but the Bible tells me that my God is the owner of the cattle of a thousand hills. Uh, my, the Bible tells me that my God uses the earth as a footstool. Amen. He is the owner of all things. The Bible says that nothing that was created was created without him. So he owns everything. And the heart that he has is such a generous God to us. Every single one of us, we've heard, we've seen the news. There's nothing hidden behind that. We know what kind of crisis we are facing today. But yet, none of us have had to, had to punch another hole in our belt. The Lord has continued to bless us at our tables. The Lord has continued to bless us in our homes. Yes? Hallelujah. That's the kind of God that He is. Now, this morning, if you are in lack... I want to also give you an encouraging word and tell you what Jesus himself said. He said, you may have not because you ask not. That's what James chapter 4 verse 2 says. You ask not, you have not because you ask not. We need to ask God. Why? Because he, he proves to us on a continual basis how giving and generous he really is. There is no prayer that he does not hear. There is no need that he cannot meet. He can reach the unreachable, save the unsavable, renew the unrenewable, change the unchangeable. I know that I've experienced that in my life. Before Christ, I knew, I absolutely was convinced that no one could ever change the direction of my heart. No one could ever manipulate me or no one could ever even begin to go beyond the surface of my skin to speak to me concerning the changing of my attitude and character and person and my eternal destiny, my faith, and my position when it came to religion. I thought no one could do it until Jesus showed up. The Bible says that even the knees of the strongest men will melt in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And I'm not the strongest man, so you can just tell what happened to me immediately at that moment. He brought me to my knees, and I'm so glad that my knees is the highest and tallest I've ever been. Hallelujah. On my knees, I've seen what a tall man that might be 50 foot tall cannot see. On my knees, I can see beyond mountains as I pray unto my Father. But he's a generous God. He's such a willing God. He's a protector. We made that clear last week. But the challenge of the hour, as it is this morning, is not, is God generous to us? Is he willing to respond to us? Yes, he is. The challenge comes when we ask ourselves, are we willing to respond to him? And so the title of our conversation, a short series, if you will, whatever you want to call it, is simply, he will Will you? 
He will. Will you? What is your position toward surrendering to God? What is your position in allowing God to ask of you and your response being that of a good daughter, a good son, and say, yes, Father, I will. What is your position? Knowing how wonderful the Lord is, how He is always willing to respond to us in a yes manner. It may be a wait manner, and that's okay, but waiting does not mean denial. Simply because he is excellent in knowing timing. So your prayer may be answered today, but the response of it or the result of it you may see tomorrow. Simply because he is excellent in setting things in proper order. So wait is not denial. And so we can say that God is always a yes God. The Bible says that all our petitions and our prayers before the Lord are yes and amen. Yes? Now, is our response to God the same? Are we willing to respond to Him in the same way He responds to us? Are we a willing people, willing to offer unto Him an obedient heart, a surrendered God, a heart, a yes heart, if you will? Now, if you're anything like me, that's, I could answer that as a sometimes. We are a sometimes people. It depends what mood you're in in the morning. It depends how it's going for you during the week at work. How you are financially. How you are emotionally. How you are in your home. How you are here and there. And so God may ask you at the most inappropriate time concerning you. And you may say no. But you know that there's never a, a time of your petitioning God that God says, it's inconvenient for me right now. He's always a yes God. He's always a willing God. It's never like, not today. Why are you asking me now? Do you know where I'm at? And the Lord could quickly answer, yes, I do. So what is your response to what I'm asking you today? Do we respond to him with tenderness and love and say, yes, Lord, ask of me what you will. Here I am, Elijah said, Isaiah said, send me. Are we of good cheer when we read his word and we find that there are criterias that he has for us? Uh, and we gloss over those certain things because those are things that we will not or don't want to. And sometimes when, even when we say yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a crawl to, to, to the response of a yes. See, God may run to respond to you, but when we say yes to him, it's, it's a crawl to him. Like, yeah, yeah, well, I, I guess uh, I'll get to it. We spoke last week about our natural relationships that we have here uh, with our husbands, wives, and friends and, and things. And, and how difficult it is to maintain a relationship when only one is giving. Remember? We talked about that. 
how it's almost impossible to keep a friend who is always taking but never giving. You may love him for a moment and take care of him or her or them for a moment and, and respond to their needs at that moment. And, and, but after a little while, it gets a little heavy. And there comes a time when you may require or ask them something that you need. And the response is, oh, man, I wish I could. What happens to the heart of an individual in a relationship like that? It breaks. There's a severing. Uh, not an ugly one uh, that you fight over something. No, no, but there's a severing. Somehow the intimacy of that relationship is not equal. It's unequally yoked. A husband and a wife where the husband is just taking. And the wife is not giving. There's a severing. When the wife is just taking. Or giving. And the other one is the opposite. There's a severing. There's something, there's a, there's a wedge that begins to develop amongst friendships and even homes, uh, sisters, brothers, family members, fellow peers at work, wherever. There, there's a severing. That's a reality. So I'm imagining uh, for a moment, I wonder if the Lord feels that way at times with us. When we know that he's been nothing but a giving God, but the moment he responds and asks of us something we're like that friend that's opposite. Uh, not today, maybe later. Wish I could. Yeah, I do anything but that. Challenging, isn't it? It's a moment of introspection. I'm not talking to you this morning so that you can look at the heart of your wife, your friends, or family. God is speaking to our own heart. The objective of our conversation, and as long as the Lord will take this conversation on this pulpit, is to encourage us to know how good God is and how important it is for us to maintain our relationship with him in a giving way as well, in a surrendering way as well, to say, Lord, I will ask of me whatever it is that you want, and I will, Lord. Even if it's illogical in your mind, even if it's not practical to your normal lifestyle, even if people don't, around you don't understand it, even if people don't grasp why you're doing certain things, but yet you know the Lord has asked you of it, and you, because you're obedient to the Father, you lose, uh, again, uh, just the care, if you will, or the concern of anybody else saying different As you look at your heart this morning, I ask you, are you a, a willing heart? I mentioned a couple of things last week, things that I believe the Lord would have us to say, I will to always, because these are things he desires. And the first thing we discussed last week, I'm just giving you a backflash to keep you up to speed. For those of you not here, I will get to the present conversation in just a minute but the first thing we talked about last week was his desire to hear us say I will praise you I will worship you I will give you all the honor 
I will give you always all the praise. I'll keep you as a priority in my life. When I exalt things, I make sure that nothing in this world is more exalted than who you are. Oh, there used to be an old spiritual song, a song that we used to sing on the pulpit years ago that said, Lord, I lift your name on high. Remember that song? Lord, I lift your name on high. Isn't that a beautiful song? And I believe that's the desire of God, that we always lift his name on high. You see, that is our priority as believers above ministry. You see, before I'm a pastor, before I'm a counselor, before I play with a worship team, before I do anything, God needs to make sure that I'm a worshiper. That I love him before I serve him, before you serve him, before you give unto him your offerings and your tithings, before you're an encourager to others, before you participate in the movement of the church. If you, whatever it is that you do, above all of that, we are required to be worshipers. And let me tell you simply why. You see, because ministry and pastoring and, and leading worship and, and teaching Sunday school and, and being a, an encourager in the church and whatever position you hold, a pulpiteer, whatever it is, all of it is a result of a heart that worships God. All of it is the fruit of someone who is thankful unto the Lord. Someone who holds him at his highest place in your life, that there's nothing that he would not ask that we would not do. And so he asked you, would you teach Sunday school? And you said yes. And now you have Brother Nayola teaching Sunday school for the past 20 some odd years. Doesn't make a sound, that man. Not a squeak. Ah, oh, some of you are squeaky wheels here. But this man, nothing. But you'll see his class there every Sunday morning. Well, he's just a born teacher. No, no, he's got a profession. I'm sure that teaching here, teaching there, it gets old after a while. I'm sure. That's why teachers retire. They get tired of all the kids and stuff and tired of all this stuff. But how can you continue teaching in the house this long, another career? Simply because this one is fueled by a worshiping heart. It's a continual burning. Let that fire burn. You see, and before you take place in ministry, before you do anything, God needs to make sure that you say, I will worship you. Psalms 9 and verse 1, I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all your wonders, and I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. I will praise you. Secondly, we spoke about I will obey you. Now that's a challenge. I will obey you. John 14 and 15 says, if you love me, you will obey me. You want to start a good fight with an unbeliever? Ask him if he loves God. What's everybody going to say? Yes. Yes? I, that's what was my answer before I came to the Lord. You know, do you love God? Yeah. And then you want to start a fight? Say, no, you don't. 
You asked me if I love God. I said yes, and I'm telling you, no, you don't. You Christians are judgmental, legalistic, no good for nothings. Who tells you I don't love God? God does. What? He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Don't kill the messenger. Take it with God. We have children. They misbehave and you say, here, don't you love your mother? Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. No, you don't, son. Well, you say I don't because you don't obey me. I'm telling you to behave. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you're misbehaving. You are saying no. You are disobedient. How can you say you love me? Can sweet water and bitter water flow from the same well? Hmm. God wants us to say, I will obey you, but truly obey you. John 14 and 15. If you love me, keep my commands. Boy, you're quiet this morning. Just a few minutes ago, you were shouting everything down. And now we have the word, the challenging word of God saying, all that stuff that you were making and doing, all the noise you're making, was that coming from an obedient heart? Or just because you know how to groove? You see, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. There's a blessing in obedience I mentioned to you last week. Isaiah 1 and 19 says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. So God wants to hear us say, I will praise you, keep you at the highest priority. Secondly, I will obey you. And thirdly, this morning, I will declare you glory. I'm not going to be embarrassed to declare who you are. In simple terms, I will not be afraid or ashamed to tell anybody about you. How many of us fail at sharing Christ? We've been speaking on evangelism for a long time from this pulpit, every preacher that's preached. Trying to encourage you to go beyond yourself and not hoard Christ for yourself. There is a dying world in need of listening and hearing and experiencing the treasure that you possess in your heart. God is looking for someone unashamed to declare his glory, to declare his testimony. He's not ashamed to declare us his children. You know, God's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of any one of us. In spite, let me say this carefully, this is not a license that I'm giving you to sin. 
But that you understand God's grace. He loves you in spite of who you are. In spite of what you did last week. He saw that. In spite of what you entertained in your mind a few days ago. Or maybe this morning. He heard that. In spite of the anger, the jealousy, the this or the other that you went through. This past week or past day or past few hours, God saw that. And yet, he loves you. He loves you. Enough to call you in 1 Peter 2 and 9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to me, says the Lord. You're my people. That's how unashamed a God is. The devil has always been trying to embarrass God because of you and me. Now, sometimes I need to say this. We give the devil good ammunition to come to God. Because of the lies we live, we sure give the devil good ammunition to accuse God. You see this guy right here? Yeah, he's the pastor, man. You use him as a pastor. You know what he does? You know who he is? Always trying to embarrass us because of our failures. Now, what the devil seems to forget sometimes is that God's the one that chose us. He, he, God's the one that handpicked us. The Bible says that none of us could have ever come to God unless he was wooed or brought in, permitted, pulled in, vacuumed in by the Spirit of the Lord. That means if you're saved today, it wasn't because some pastor was preaching loud into your ear. Though that was a motivating move in your life, which is a positive thing. This is why we evangelize. But ultimately what you want to do, this is why it's important for the speaker, the testifier, the witnesser, if you will, be full of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one that will woo your heart into the house of God. I don't know how many of you have ever read out of Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1, but we have a particular vision here that the Lord gave this prophet. And I'll just paraphrase that a little bit. But the enemy comes and trying to embarrass Joshua, who is representative of God's people, the church, if you will. And so it reads in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, this is a great vision. And Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? It's as if the enemy came and brought the church before the Lord, Joshua in this case, and showed him. The Bible says he was wearing dirty clothes and a, a dirty turban. He looked filthy, and the devil said, look, this is your royal priesthood right here, man. As if the Lord was going to, oh, what did you get into? 
as if it was going to surprise the Lord. But the Lord responds to him and says, you idiot. Don't you know I see the smoke on him? Don't you know that it was my hand that stuck my hand in the fire? He was burning it and put, he's still smoking. I know that. But, but the reason he's filthy is because I just pulled him out. I'm the one that chose Jerusalem. You're bringing him here to accuse me? The Lord rebuke you, Satan, you fool. You think I don't know the hearts of my people? You think I don't know where they're in, what they're into, what they come out, what I brought them out of? Are they not a burning piece of fire, a charcoal pulled out? He said, but watch this. The Lord, the angel of the Lord speaks and says, put a new cloak on this man. And the angel comes and he dresses the church in royal linen. He says, I put a new turban on his head. And the angels come and they put a new turban on his head. And now Joshua looks pure and clean like he should. The one who was embarrassed was the accuser. And I'm here to tell you something this morning. This is how unashamed God is of us. He loves you. He knows some of us are smoking more than others. But he's going to dress you in white linen one day. And he's going to put a turban, a crown on your head of righteousness. Hallelujah. He's going to love you. And the accuser of the brethren who day and night, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, came before the Lord accusing the brethren. Again, the Lord will say, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, my church, rebuke you, Satan. Because there's something stronger than you that cleanses them. And that is the blood of my son, the Lamb of God. That's how unashamed God is. Unashamed to declare you his. Don't ever think that God is ashamed of you. The question of the hour is, should that not truly make us unashamed to declare him our God? To declare his praises on the rooftops. Anyone and everyone we speak to, let them know that we are believers, that we love the Lord. He has chosen us. And if they say, oh, you? I know, man, I may be smoking a little bit, but he snatched me out of the fire. I just got out. I know, I know. I look a little dirty here, but I, I, I get it. I get it. But he's still, you know, let me teach you a song that we taught. In high he's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. God's still working on me. Doesn't mean he's ashamed of me. But I know that on that day we will be as he has called us to be. He will purify us on the day of Jesus Christ. When he comes for us, he will dress us new in linen and royal garments. And set a crown of righteousness, as Paul said, upon his head. He said, the Lord himself, nobody else... The Lord himself will set a crown of righteousness on my head. And I believe the church is going to turn around and say, you are saying, Satan? You had something to say about the church? See, that's how unembarrassed God is of us. 
Shouldn't the church be willing to stand in the sight of even the world who today accuses Christians of being crazy and foolish? Should we not be unashamed to shout against the blasphemies that we hear in this world today against Christ? Should we not be emboldened by knowing that God loves us in spite of who we are against those who say Christ is nothing today? Should we not be unembarrassed? God wants us to say, Lord, yes, I will declare your glory. We need Christians that will pray in public, not only at the table for our meals, but in public to pray for those who are in need. We need Christians who are unashamed to witness to the lost in need here, there, and anywhere. We need Christians unashamed to say, I belong to the Lord. He is my God and my Savior. I obey him, I love him, and I obey him, I praise him. I'm unashamed of that. Christians unashamed of the truth of his word, his promise, promises, and his covenants for us. Unashamed to wait for the return of who he is. You know why they took prayer out of school in the 60s? Because no one was strong enough to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know why they've been wanting to take in God we trust out of the currency? Because the church is still silent. You know why politics are taking the course they're taking in today? Because the church has been too ashamed to declare his glory. You know why all of this is happening? You know why they're storming into our homes, our schools, our children and all that? Because Christians are just standing as they come in to their house and their families. You see, when you love somebody and you know he's unashamed to love you, you stand up for that somebody. You can do whatever you want out in the street, but in my house, me and my house will worship the Lord. My kids will worship the Lord. You won't teach my kids anything out of the word of God. I will come and undo whatever that you have taught them. I will undo it in the name of Jesus in my home. I will raise my children to worship the Lord. That is the legacy that I am going to leave behind. My grandchildren will love the Lord. My daughters will love the Lord. My sons-in-law will love the Lord. Unashamedly. Unashamedly. 2 Timothy 1.8 eight. So, so not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join me in my suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Don't be ashamed of me. When Paul was in jail, people were saying, oh, man, what a shame. Why does he just kind of ease off, man, you know? Don't be ashamed of me in my chains. When he was leaving the church one day and on his way to Jerusalem, the church knew they were going to kill Paul. And they bowed at his feet trying to drag him. And he said, get off me. Don't go, Paul. You know, there's a warrant on your head. They're going to get off me. I'm willing to go unto death. I'm going to go and I'm going to declare the virtues of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Unashamed. Romans 1 and 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile, but I'm unashamed. Unashamed. 
This is what God is looking for today. Someone who say, I will declare. Every one of us should leave today while this is still warm in your heart and go declare Jesus to somebody. You know what's surprising of it all and what I find out every time that I do this, that I get a chance to testify? It's amazing to me. It really is how receptive people are. They need God. I've never, I don't think I've ever witnessed to anybody about Jesus. When they ask me, hey, man, how you doing? This and the other. I could be at HEB and say, yeah, yeah, what do you do? This is a good job. Yeah, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. Really? Yeah. You go to church? Well, no. How come? Great. It's a moment time to talk. To share Christ. And you'll find them saying, yeah, man, I really got to get in. I got to, where's your church? I got to find out. They may never come. But you can tell that there is something that's wetting their heart. There's, their lips are thirsty for something. So God is prepared. That's what Jesus said. The fields are ready. But the workers, the unashamed workers are few. I'll close with this and I'll make you laugh. But I trust that you'll learn the principle that I'm teaching. I didn't get too far today. Is that okay? If Jesus tarries, we'll do it next Sunday again, okay? But I read an illustration once, and to me that shows tenacity. That tells you how convinced we should be to be unashamed to declare the glory of God. Not afraid of any little opposition saying, oh, I'm going to say nothing because you could tell he's upset. No, no, unashamed. This is what it is. But there's this particular pre preacher, this illustration goes. And he was in the center plaza of the city and he was declaring. He was screaming out, Jesus loves you. You need to repent or else you'll find yourself in an endless eternity without Christ. Jesus loves you. You need to repent of your sins or you're going to end up in a Christless eternity. Jesus loves you. And he was yelling for days and people around, some people began to get flustered. And they began, this guy's screaming at me. We can't pass by this plaza. We're on our way to do whatever. He's screaming this Jesus thing. Tell him to be quiet. And he was, every day he was preaching in the street. Jesus loves you. Repent of your sins or you'll end up in a Christless eternity. Jesus loves you. Finally, they went to the city council. They said, there's a man who's screaming that we're tired of him. Somebody needs to get him off. And the ruckus they started was enough, enough to get the mayor involved. He said, well, told the police. He said, go tell this man to quiet down, to stop doing that. People bothering people in the city. And the man is still out there. Jesus loves you. Repent or you'll end up in a Christless eternity. He never stopped, and the police came and threatened him. He said, listen, if you don't stop today, we're going to have to put you in jail. And he looked at them. He said, Jesus loves you. Repent, or you'll end up in a Christless eternity. Sir, Jesus loves you. And they took him. And they handcuffed him. And they took him to jail. And the jail had a window with bars. And he was facing the plaza where he was at. And they threw him in there. And they locked the door. He went to the door. Jesus loves you. 
Repent or you'll end up in a Christless eternity. Jesus loves you. And the jailer goes like, dude, for real. Enough already. People begin to complain to the warden. He said, this guy is screaming at us. He's a prisoner. Tell him to shut up. So the warden comes and says, listen, man, be quiet or else we're going to have to tape your mouth. Jesus loves you. Repent or you're going to end up in a Christless eternity with tears in his eyes and a burning for salvation for the people. The jailer comes in and takes a big tape and puts it across his mouth and around his head. He's handcuffed and he's standing. And he's looking out the window. He said, now what? He stands up and he goes, And the jailer's standing next to me and the people saying, What's he saying? And the jailer said, Jesus loves you. Repent or you'll end up in a Christless eternity. That's how unashamed we should be of the gospel. That's how unembarrassed every single one of us should be about declaring the glory of the God that saved you, restored you, refreshed you, revived you, renewed you, and is sending you on the way to glory to spend an eternity with you. Come on, somebody needs to praise him this morning. Somebody needs to give him glory this morning. Somebody needs to love him this morning. Somebody needs to glorify him this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I will, I will declare your glory. I will. I won't be ashamed, Father. I've been ashamed too long. When I think of the goodness and all he's done for me, I will shout, shout. Shout, shout. I will dance, dance, dance. I will clap, clap, clap. When I think of the goodness and all he's done for me. Hallelujah. I will be unashamed to declare your glory. You know, not in my wildest dreams. Not in the deepest sleep of ever my life. Did I ever go to a place in my imagination that I would be unashamed to declare the glory of the Lord? I wasn't worthy to even say the name Jesus. 
when he showed me how much he loved me. Hank was refusing. No, there's no way. Have you seen what I've done? You've done. Have you seen where I've gone? You've, you, you, you know me. Yeah, I know you. But I want to pull you out of that fire. And in my head came the devil, you'll never amount to nothing. You'll never, nobody will ever listen to you. Are you kidding me, man? You're kidding yourself. Don't embarrass yourself. But the angel of the Lord stood before Satan. He said, I know he's smoking. And I know he's burning. But I'm pulling him out. And I know in my heart that without him, I'd be lost forever because that was my short destiny without Christ. And today, because I know that if he calls me home from this pulpit, because I've been unashamed, the Lord said, because he loves me. I will show him my salvation. God is looking for someone who will say, I will. Enough with the excuses. Enough with the tomorrows. Enough, well, let me think about it. What is there to think about? You think the Lord thought twice about saving you? You think he said, well, you're lost. Let me go back and let me get together with the angels and see if you're worth it. It was right there and then. This is why he says, today is the day of salvation. Because he knows about today. It was that moment that you needed him that he reached out into that fire and brought you out. Can he not expect an I will from us? Lord, I will. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.